Welcome to the Button Chops Podcast, the podcast where two miserable millennials from Northern England ask, what's the crack with video games? My name's Chris. And my name's Matthew. And we've hit the huge milestone this week of a second episode. So we're going to be discussing the remake of Demon's Souls for the PS5. Demon's Souls, developed by renowned remakers and remasterers Bluepoint Games, is a remake of the now-classic PS3 from software game. The original Demon's Souls, released in 2009, was originally intended to be an Elder Scrolls competitor and would be an exclusive to PS3. The game now returns with a shiny new remake, entirely rebuilt from the ground up by Bluepoint Games for the launch of the PS5. So, I guess a good starting point would to be to talk about the launch of the PlayStation 5. Uh, did you try and get one? Uh, I didn't because I didn't have enough money, to be honest. <laughs> if anyone wants to donate any money for the success of our second podcast, then that's fair enough. I might be able to get a PS5. But We're going to set up a GoFundMe to get Matthew a PlayStation 5. I, all, I was looking and I was sort of like, if I buy this... Um, I, I like sort of dabbled in the idea of maybe I'll be able to get one. So I, mm. I, queued, I queued up for them. And I was like, if I if I get one, you know, I should be all right on like a couple of tins of beans for the rest of the month. But I just decided to be wise. I was like, it's only there's only Demon's Souls, which is, well, yeah, I'm sure a really good game. But I was just like, I'll hold, I'll hang fire. Yeah, yeah. Demon's Souls was the entire reason I got the PlayStation Five. Yeah, yeah. I, I literally, I think when we both watched the online Sony presentation for mm, it, and yeah. we were kind of messaging each other while it was on, and I was absolutely adamant I wasn't buying a PlayStation Five because I never buy consoles at launch. Usually, like launch, like game rosters are usually like a bit shit, and also you don't know what you're getting with a launch console because like yeah, yeah. the whole thing, like you know, uh, the Red Ring of Death with the Xbox 360, where it was like a few months in, and suddenly everybody's Xboxes was like imploding. Yeah, and there's always like a V2 console, which is like comes out like five months yeah. later, which ha- has less issues. Yeah, so you can usually get an upgraded, cheaper console like a year down the line when it has more games yeah but the minute i found out that demon souls was only going to be coming out on the playstation 5 i was like right i've, I've got to do it yeah. it's worth it's worth eating dirt for a month <laughs> <laughs> i remember like a fortnight before where you were still sort of like having little sways and thoughts where you were like oh maybe I, maybe i might not get one like oh should should i shouldn't i and then like you sent me a screenshot of like demon souls like pre-ordered <laughs> and you didn't even know if you were gonna get a playstation 5 <laughs> and then you got and then demon souls was like in your flat just sat there and you were like i don't even know if i'm actually gonna get a playstation <laughs> but i've got the game <laughs> it was extreme hubris to think that I was definitely going to get a PlayStation 5 to the point where it was worth pre-ordering. As well, the thing with the pre-order is that for some reason, inexplicable reason, because I guess they timed the launch in Europe and the US for the console itself differently, Mm. but the games were released on the same day in Europe as the console launched in the US, meaning I got Demon's Souls about two weeks before I could actually get a hold of the actual console. So yeah. I just had a copy of Demon Souls just sitting in my flat, just sort of staring at me. I had it just in front of the TV so I could always see it. And it just sort of fueled me on to make sure I definitely got one. Did you like open it and like smell the instruction manual? I licked it. <laughs> <laughs> instruction manual. <laughs> it's, it, I was going to say it's 2020. It was 2020 at the time. Games don't have instruction manuals anymore. <laughs> 
<laughs> and now they've just got those like one sheets, just a little one yeah. sheet about the buttons yeah. <laughs> and the warranty. <laughs> I like that. I like those days. It's just shame they're not around anymore. Cyberpunk had a few, which is good. Yeah. Anyway, we, we've been through cyberpunk. Um, <laughs> we will never See, talk about that. Game. We we as we, we already established, we provided the definitive viewpoint on cyberpunk, so there's no need to ever talk about it again. I've noticed since the podcast went out that um, people have actually stopped talking about it because they're like, oh, button shops have covered it now. Like, I noticed that as well. <laughs> And I, my conclusion was exactly the same. It was definitely us. So what? So how was the PlayStation? So talk me through. Talk me through the experience of like opening it. It's huge. That was <laughs> it's, huge. it's it's bigger than a baby. Bigger than a baby. It's it's probably about the size of a baby. A big baby. Yeah. You've got a pretty uh, big TV as well. My TV is like sixty inch as well, and yeah. it, it's big. It's like nearly the height of my TV. Heck. I ordered mine from Amazon and I was absolutely terrified that it was going to be what case of like, you know, you hear Amazon delivery drivers are stealing places. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I ordered it the day before I somehow by some miracle managed to get one in my basket and get through checkout mm. and then just turned up the next morning. I was amazed at how quickly I got it. Yeah. yeah. And it was really exciting because like, hot, like my girlfriend, Holly, uh, like you got a girlfriend. It, yeah, I've got a girlfriend. Just thought I'd drop that in. She like videoed me, like put on Instagram me opening it. And she said that she'd never gotten so many messages in one day replying to a story because it was all of her friend's boyfriends who were really angry that I had managed to get a PlayStation <laughs> and they hadn't. But the first thing I played on it actually wasn't Demon Souls. It was Astro's Playroom. Yeah, yeah, I was literally about to ask about Astro's Playroom because I remember you saying that you got that and you were like, Oh, this is this is actually all right, and you were messing around on it. It's one of the best games I played last year. I loved <laughs> really? it. It was really, really good. It was. I mean, I beat it in like two, three hours. It's it is. It's more than a tech demo, but it's not a full game. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I it always imagined game, it's a short game. My impression of it was that it was you're on an island. <laughs> I'm just I could be making all of this stuff up. You're on an island, and there's like different bits of the island which just tell you about the different controls. Uh, no, it's a game. Like it's a it's a platformer, right? It's, all right, fair enough. The, last year, I played like all of the Switch Mario games. Well, I say yeah, all yeah. of the Switch Mario games. I played Super Mario Odyssey, and then I got the Mario 3D All Stars. And then, like, I would say Astro's Playroom competes with Super Mario Odyssey in terms of platforming quality. It's just yeah, like yeah. it's a really like joyful, inventive, creative platformer. Um, yeah. And it is a showcase for the PS5 controller, like definitely. Yeah. Some, I mean, some elements are maybe you're a little gimmicky. I fucking hate motion controls in games, and there's yeah, like yeah. some some sections in Astro's Playroom where you've got to use the motion controls, and I was like, this sucks. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but like the haptic feedback and the way that it it really adds an extra dimension to the gameplay, like Astro's Playroom. I don't know, it just did a really good job of showcasing what the controller could do whilst also yeah, yeah. being like a really good game in its own right. And yeah, it has yeah. great music. I actually thought Daft Punk had done the, uh, the soundtrack. Really? Uh, someone just ripping off Daft Punk. But everything in it as well is like PlayStation themed. Like basically each each world that you go into is themed around a generation of the PlayStation. So there's like a PS1 level and a PS2 mm. level and a PS3 level. And you go through each level and pick up 
collectible all the collectibles are like artifacts from that era so it's like a ps2 memory card yeah, yeah. dual shock controller i love that as like a launch title it's like it's like the game sort of setting you up to be like by the way this is a playstation this is this is by the way this is a playstation and here's all the things that are on playstation don't forget you haven't got an xbox you've got a playstation yeah that's what it, that's that's <laughs> What was especially getting a PS5 at launch and that being the first game that you played, it felt like you were celebrating the fact that you got a PS5. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, what I what I appreciated is that it kind of does. It was kind of doing Nintendo, but Sony. Mm. You know how Nintendo is very self-referential and a lot of like everything that they produce. Yeah, there's a certain charm to all Nintendo stuff in the very fact that it's Nintendo and they yeah. know that they're Nintendo. Yeah. It was like Sony doing that yeah, because yeah. the PS4 was such a huge achievement for them. Mm. It was like a victory. It felt like a victory lap. Yeah. yeah it was a really good game. It's really good. Yeah. And I think it's great that it was just free with the PlayStation. Like I'm kind of amazed that they just bundled that in because it's, it's a really good game. Like they could have charged for it. And instead, it was just like, no, have this. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. So whilst we're on the uh, whilst we're on your history with the PS5, do you want to talk us through where you got with the Souls games? Um, what the entry point was before we get into Demon Souls? Yeah, I mean, like I started. I only played Soul, like Souls for the first time last year, mm. and I've turned into like a radical obsessive. <laughs> like a, a huge part of my identity now is that I just like Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> You got it on your like, you got it on cards. You got it on yeah. cards in your wallet. Just like, look how many times I've completed all these games. <laughs> I've only completed Sekiro four times though, so I need to do it a few more. <laughs> I was looking through my played hours on my PlayStation this year, just as those games, and I was like immensely proud at the amount of hours that I put into the entire <laughs> yeah. Soul series in just like one year. I was gonna say I've never seen anyone in my life like get go from nothing to something in terms of like an interest because you didn't even really like you didn't really play like that sort of game too much like obviously there's like god of war and things like that but for me like souls is a bit more a bit more niche uh so i think i think when you started playing it you were like oh i'm gonna get bloodborne and then you were like you texted me like the day after like oh i've just done like these three bosses and i was like oh wait until you get to this bit and you're like oh yeah i'm there now and i was just like he's getting through like quickly and then like the, almost like the next week you were like tucking into another two <laughs> just like rapidly through them it was it was like the onset of lockdown i was furloughed from yeah. my job and i just had loads of spare time and i, I what it, what actually sort of triggered it was I'd replayed God of War because, like, God of War, I loved. I loved God of War. It was like my, the game of the generation for me. Yeah, yeah. So I was yeah. like, oh, I'll, I'll play it again. Loved it. It finished. I finished it, and then I was like, I just want something sort of in that vein to play again. So I was googling stuff like, what, what can I play that is like God of War that's like of that kind of quality? And everywhere yeah. online, it was people saying like, play the Souls games. And I was watching videos of Dark Souls and thinking like, oh, it looks slow and clunky. It doesn't really mm. look like it's my cup of tea. So mm. I went with Bloodborne because I could just get it cheap off the PlayStation Network. And honestly, like, I didn't like it at first. I think I think there was maybe like a, a week or two where I was picking it up for a couple of hours, not really getting anywhere with it, confused by how obtuse it is and how it doesn't tell you how anything works. Yeah, yeah, yeah and absolutely. The, the first section of Bloodborne where you're going through uh, Central Yarnum and there's just there's just tons and tons of like these like weird people 
with like scythes and rakes and stuff. Those massive beards. Yeah, and you, you're just like, how am I meant to get past this? They're like two hits and they kill you. You've got like no health. I don't understand how to play it, but I guess I just persisted. And then, I don't know, once it clicked, I just powered through the game. Yeah, <laughs> and then I was yeah. like, I, I need more. So I ended up playing, over the summer, I played every single Souls game. Yeah. Including the original Demon Souls. Yeah, yeah. Like, what, what's what's your sort of history with Souls like? Uh, so I played Demon Souls when it came out, mm-hmm. uh, which is 11 years ago, I believe. Uh, so I was like, I, I was in a very young and I mean, I think I, I think I might have been about 16, like sort of back in the mm-hmm. secondary school. And um, I, I remember I used to play like um, like I used to subscribe, sorry, to the like official PlayStation magazines, yeah. and I used to put in their like DVDs into my PlayStation. It was PlayStation Three at the time, and like check out the trailers of like new games. I used to feel like it was probably the most on it with any anything I've ever been. I used to be like, I know when games are coming out. Like yeah. this is when this one's coming out, and this is what it looks like. But Demon Souls, like sort of weirdly, like kind of flew under the radar a bit. And I remember being in game once, uh, as you do, browsing game. <laughs> and I saw Demon Souls and I was like, oh, I think I've seen that somewhere. And it just like, I remember seeing the, the cover art, like medieval sort mm. of sword thing. And I was like, I haven't, I haven't played a game like that in a while. And I was like, I'm just going to buy this. So I traded in a few games for it, got home, played it. But when I played it, like I was so, I was so rubbish at it at that age. I had no patience. I was like, yeah. I was on wikis, like learning how to like sponge bosses, like what column to hide behind where they can't like hit you and stuff like that. And like, um, I did like Dragon God, which was quite easy to sponge its way up to, but like, I couldn't really get any further. So I wouldn't say I've even had, I've really even played Demon Souls that much. Um, but after that, when I was a bit, when I was at uni and things, when Dark Souls came out, I, was, I got really into it yeah. and I'd comp- I've completed all of them. Uh, apart from Sekiro, if you'd call that in the in the Soulsborne thing, which I'm actually playing at the minute, yeah. um, but I th- I think they're amazing. I remember when I played Dark Souls three, straight after Bloodborne, it was a really good run for Souls games where you got Bloodborne, you're like, oh, and then they brought out another Dark Souls, which was sort of very inspired by Bloodborne, had all the gothic esque um, features, it had faster action, and I was yeah. like, that that to me was sort of maybe my favorite one in the sense that it blended everything. Um, and then I just, I, I took a couple of years off from it, I guess. So I've, I left Sekiro. I was just like, I can't, I can't do it. I need, I need a bit of a break on these because they come yeah. out quickly. Yeah. The, I mean, the, now is since Sekiro came out, people are still waiting for Elden Ring to come out. Yeah. Uh, if, or if any information on Elden Ring at all, just like confirmation that it definitely still exists. Yeah. Um, it feels like this is the longest period I've ever known for no Soulsborne game to come out. But yeah. I guess it's almost like the market got a bit oversaturated, especially with indies, where people were like jumping on that sort of game. And um, yeah. maybe maybe Miyazaki was just like, oh, I'm just going to take my time on this and yeah. explore something new because Sekiro is really fresh. Haven't only played it a little bit. It feels like a very new thing. But yeah, yeah. so... Because all, all the vanilla normies like me started playing them and rave, ranting and raving about it online. So everybody, everyone's obsessed with yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was like a revelation once. Once, it, once Bloodborne clicked, the only way I can describe it was like when I was like twelve or thirteen, and I first played Metal Gear Solid Three. Mm. And I remember having demo one, which had the initial level from Metal Gear Solid when I had like my PlayStation. Yeah, yeah. I was a lot younger. Yeah, and not even being able to do that initial, um, not being able to do that initial level. 
But then for some reason, I guess, because I used to buy like Games Radar and all like the mm. games magazines and like they were all raving about Metal Gear Solid 3 and that. I was like, right, I'm going to get this game and give it a go. And once that clicked, I became obsessed with Metal Gear Solid and it was just like my thing. Like, mm. I feel like I haven't had a revelation playing a game since then mm. until I played Bloodborne and realized like, oh my God, like there are still games like this that can like totally change how I think about games altogether, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is what like playing the Souls games <clears throat> did for me. Yeah, definitely. And it's sort of ruined other games now. Like I'll still, even though last year I played all of them, and I mean, I, I, I beat Bloodborne twice. I beat Dark Souls two or three times. Mm. Um, and then I did like, I did Sekiro like three times. I've played them all multiple times, yeah, yeah. all in the space of like six, seven months. And yeah. I'll still from time to time be like, oh, whatever I'm playing at the time is boring as I'm going to start a new save on Dark Souls yeah. and just do that. Yeah, they are they are absolutely like the king of of even sort of action adventure sort of worlds. I remember when I didn't get it for this reason, but I remember when Jedi Fallen Order came out and I was just like, it literally just looks like a terrible Souls game set with a Star Wars skin, a very pretty Star Wars skin, but then also mixed in with like other successful games. And I was just like, I'm not buying that. Yeah, I didn't hate Jedi Fallen Order, but I didn't. I hadn't played any of the Souls games at the time. Yeah. And it is like a mishmash of like Dark Souls and Uncharted. Yeah, yeah. It's greatest hits of video games with a Star Wars skin. <laughs> I think the, the story was good in it. Mm. Um, it this isn't going to turn into a review of Jedi Fallen Order, but I, I, I enjoyed it, but I thought it was kind of throwaway. Yeah. That is kind of like my issue with Souls likes in general. You can get a game that sort of tries to do the things that Souls games do, but there's something just this, like there's, a, there's an essence that's missing mm. that you only get from like from soft sort of uh like secret i don't know their special source whatever it is that they put into those games that make them tick the way that yeah. they do because i've tried playing souls likes like mortal shell um you know like that sort of thing and it's like it's good but it's just not the same like it's yeah, just yeah. it's missing something yeah miyazaki's been on the secret source that's what that's what he's been on he's locked himself in in his cellar and he's been just chugging secret sauce <laughs> imagine is like is a wife or his husband or his imaginary friend whichever one going downstairs into the basement going Miyazaki what are you doing he's like oh. <laughs> they refer to him as Miyazaki <laughs> <laughs> I'm on Miyazaki what are you doing oi Miyazaki fucking beans on toast is upstairs <laughs> and he's like shut up man I'm making I'm making it so you've got to die from this boss five times before you realise that you've got to do something else first <laughs> he's in a white string vest that's just stained with salt <laughs> he's like I thought I thought of a, a new Estus flask in this new game but Miyazaki didn't you do that in the last game yeah yeah fuck but, off oh, don't... <laughs> are you a fucking stupid he's... idiot <laughs> Um, so do you want to get into do you want to get into Demon Souls then? So yeah, how, how was it? How was it on first impressions? We've... It's fucking class, <laughs> yes, lad. <laughs> I, oh my god, it was so good. Um, I actually held off playing it for a few days after get even though I bought the PlayStation for the sole reason of playing Demon Souls. I held off a few days playing it because I had in my excitement, dug out my PlayStation 3 and replayed the original Demon Souls like <laughs> the week before. So I was like, oh, I'll give myself a little break. But as soon as I started playing it, I just got totally sucked in by it. Yeah. Um, it looks incredible. It plays really smoothly. I think one thing that's really 
good about it is that it's more or less completely faithful to the original, but yeah. it lacks a lot of the like um, technical problems that FromSoft games are often sort of plagued by, like frame rate issues and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It runs so smoothly. I mean, the fact that the uh, the PlayStation's like super fast SSD meant that like the loading times were just sort of cut to like a couple of seconds. Yeah, that's made nuts. the game so much more playable. Because when you die in the original Demon Souls. It would take like literally like a minute or two to load in. It was yeah, like yeah. it had that god awful loading screen where it would show you like the animated, animated versions of the characters like Scurvy or the Wanderer or whatever. Is that what it was? I didn't know that. Did they in not Demon- have hints and things? No, in the original, oh, does it have hints on it? I know it. It definitely it has a loading screen where it just shows you the characters, and it's like mm. in a lot of cases because like Demon Souls is such like is so light on story. These are mm. characters that a lot of people would never even encounter during a playthrough, mm. like Executioner Meralda or um, Mephistopheles. Like, I never even came across Mephistopheles in a mm. playthrough of Demon's Souls until I played the remake. And I had to go online and find out how to get to get this character Mephistopheles. And it was all, it's like a tenant, a world tendency event. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert, I guess, for anybody <laughs> yeah. who hasn't played Demon's Souls. Um, Demon's Souls, if I'm right, I, can, I can hardly remember it, which is quite handy. Because I can also, almost be the voice of the people who are listening who haven't played it. But am I right in thinking that that was a game almost entirely designed around like a central hub area? Where Souls are almost synonymous now, apart from uh, Dark Souls 2 where they've almost always got like this safe haven that develops and it has characters that help you with things like that. Am I right in thinking that Demon's Souls had that and then you'd sort of teleport out into the various um, yeah, so world garden areas? It's all bent, built around like Hub World, which is the Nexus. And yeah. the Nexus has five arch stones in it and each arch stone transports you to uh, each of the worlds. And then within each world, it's like subdivided into like levels. So yeah. and like, like classically that you would sort of refer to the levels as like, one 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 two one three um mm. based on which world and which level you were on yeah um again it kind of demon souls is light on plot i guess we can get to that later on because <laughs> you're keen to know what the actual story is <laughs> i'm keen to um, know what any of the stories if, are in any souls games and i've played them all see i've played demon i've maybe finished demon Souls. in fact i have definitely finished demon souls the most out mm. of all of them Actually, no, that's bullshit. I was about to say, and I know the story the best. I probably could explain the story to like Bloodborne or Dark Souls better than I could Demon Souls. But anyway, so you start out um, and you get like a little tutorial level, Mm. um, which kind of bare bones shows you the ropes. And then you're met with a boss straight away and the boss is designed to kill you. Mm. Um, But I mean, you can beat him. And if you you beat him during the tutorial, then you get sent to like a little sort of sub level where you get some rewards and stuff. And then the dragon God smashes you (laughs) and then you get transported to the Nexus. And from there, you have to play the first level and beat the first boss without being able to level up at all with half health. Which is why I think a lot of people think Demon Souls is the hardest of all of them. Yeah, yeah. Because when you start, it's so punitive in a way that you can't get around. Mm. It's like the game forces you to learn the ropes. Yeah, yeah. Like the hardware just throws you in the deep end. Yeah, yeah. I wish uh, I wish 16-year-old me was here because I reckon he'd have a few things to say about that section. I reckon he'd be like, well, the thing is, you don't really need to stress about it. Just get yourself in the column. Uh, press X circle triangle square near X column and then the, the boss doesn't attack you and then you just fire bows at him. 
It'd be well That's easy. That's terrible advice. <laughs> I think what the Souls games do really well, if you're really good at the game, there's not a whole lot in the way of level gating. Mm. Like if you can play the game really well, like say I've been playing The Witcher 3 at the minute and there's a lot of sort of like, if you come across something that's like five, 10 levels higher than you, it'll just one shot you and that's that. Mm. Souls isn't really like that. Like, and you'll see this a lot in the sort of culture of like streamers and stuff doing like soul level one runs where they, they don't level up their character at all Mm. and they can beat the entire game at like level 10. Mm. And I think that's why, why it's so good because you could really go through and beat like the hardest level first and Mm. there's nothing stopping you from doing it. And the game will reward you for doing that. Like, say this kind of, same kind of goes for Dark Souls as well. Is that if you know where things are, you know where certain weapons are, or you know what sort of benefits you get from beating certain bosses, you can go and do that straight away and yeah. have a character build that then just wrecks the rest of the game. And it doesn't mm. feel like you've cheapened the experience because getting that character build required you to have a lot of skill to do it. So you you have to yeah. earn it, and Demon Souls is like that. Like now, I've played the game so many times, I know where the things that I want to use are, how to level up in a way to use them. So I can. I went from like maybe my first Demon Souls playthrough took me like forty hours when I played the original, and yeah. now I could probably go on Demon Souls and beat it in six hours. I think handily yeah. because I just, I've learned yeah, yeah. the game so well that I know, I know what character builds work for me and how to achieve them. So it's a game that really, yeah. it, the, it really rewards <laughs> game knowledge. It does. And I think, but I think also on the flip side, um, you know, for people who only have it in them to even try and complete a game like this once, I think the barrier of entry doesn't necessarily need a new player to to have that kind of understanding to sort of have a good time or feel rewarded. I think there's a lot to be said in, you know, trying for like hours on end, getting stuck on bosses. And then when you eventually start to click and get through through the game, that's when it feels like infinitely rewarding more than potentially any other video game uh, in history, maybe. Um, and I, I think for new players that, you, that maybe only have it in them to play it once, you know, they don't need that kind of knowledge about character building. Um, and a lot of them can still come in and have like a really good experience by just chipping away at it and finding their way through it themselves. Um, but it, it does speak a lot to it, to, to the game's own depth that you can complete it numerous times. And the replayability almost becomes in sort of the, the elitist um, player where, you know, you want to play it and you want to understand it better and you want to be like, you want to feel like you're better than loads of other people at it. <laughs> you do feel like a god Which once is- you've beaten one. But I mean, that's, that's why that's another reason that the Souls games are so good is that you can enjoy them in multiple different ways and yeah. on replaying them you find different reasons to enjoy them like the first time i played each of them you know like there was times like when i first played bloodborne for example uh martyr Legarius took me about a week to beat i was just mm. stuck on that single boss fight and it required so much persistence <laughs> to continue doing it um and then the last time I played it, I just beat him first go. And it was just, you know, it was just, it's, it's a, there are a series of games that re- reward re- replay because you actually actively get better at them. But mm. Demon Souls I, stands kind of stands apart from the others because it is primarily level based. Mm. You know, you've got the hub world um, and then you've got 
each of the levels and it's not really that big it's nowhere near on the size of like bloodborne or uh dark souls 3 it's it's quite a short mm-hmm. game i mean for for anyone who might not have played a souls game i think this was where they they developed their unique world building uh, aesthetic in the sense that in Demon Souls potentially the the ambition and the limitations of a project that was relatively unknown only allowed them to make a couple of world designs so they split them all individually but by Dark Souls what they've done is combined the idea of these interlinked levels that were separate and separated by loading screens within the Nexus but by Dark Souls they'd moved it all into just one entire world where the world itself is actually just one elaborate like cobweb of different corridors and branching paths and going back on yourself and um and i think it they really developed that idea from demon souls into dark souls so what is now wildly renowned as like one of the best like level design games as yeah. well people talk a lot about difficulty but the level design of these games is incredible yeah i mean uh, the level design in demon souls is fundamentally different to uh most of the later games even the ones with like bloodborne where you still sort of have a hub world Hmm. once you go out of that hub world you can then progress through the entire thing whereas demon souls doesn't work that way you can only access each level from the hub world like you couldn't jump from level to level you always have to go back to the nexus to be transported to a different world yeah yeah because you could basically run through for example dark souls one right yeah i mean from dark souls one like you've got filing shrine which is like the central hub and then that branches off into like the undead berg and and you you randomly find as you progress through the game that each of these areas are actually all connected to each other. Like yeah, you didn't yeah. even realize yeah. that the uh, um, there was a lift going directly to where you fight, fight um, yeah, yeah. the bell gargoyles, like the first big boss of the game. Until after you yeah, yeah. you know you kind of reach that point, discover the lift, and then suddenly you're like, oh shit, I'm at, I'm at back at Filing Shrine. Um, yeah, yeah, I loved. I, I really like the uh, verticality of a lot of those areas as well, where you know, like you're on technically the sort of the ground of the world, and then you sort of go underground, where it's you start to get claustrophobic, and the world feels like entirely different. All the enemies are very different. You beat the boss, and then are sort of rewarded with that lift or that corridor back up quickly, which then takes you back to the surface, where you suddenly like feel really refreshed, and you're like, oh. Get in. That's like that's <laughs> what good. dark like Demon Souls doesn't really have shortcuts in it. Mm. And that that is one of the most punitive things about Demon Souls as well. I, again, like kind of going back to people saying Demon Souls is the hardest. I actually think Demon Souls. I don't think it is the hardest. Um, but its its levels can be really difficult, especially once you've made it to a boss and then a boss kills you and there is no shortcut back to the boss. You have to replay the level again. The later games yeah, yeah. introduced like shortcuts where once you had fought your way through a level, you'd open a shortcut and you wouldn't really have to do the most difficult parts once you got killed by the boss. There's a couple of boss runs in Demon Souls that make you want to tear your eyes out if you get killed by the boss. Like they're so frustrating. And that is one yeah, of the yeah. flaws of the game, I guess. It's interesting because it's it's a flaw, but it's also a part of the game's charm. Yeah. Personally, just from like kind of getting back to this version of Demon's Souls, um, I think is why I appreciated it so much is that it's a game from 2009 and yet none of the features really feel outdated because no other games have really managed to pull them off in the same way. Mm. It's like this yeah. isn't, it's much more than just a remaster, but it's incredibly faithful to the original one. Like it feels the same. And mm. all of the kind of quirks 
of the game design, even the, like some of the unwelcome stuff, like um, item burden. Like for, just to explain mm. that, so in the Dark Souls games, you have equipment burden where if you equip too much armor or like too many weapons that are too heavy, yeah. it uh, it slows you down. It, you start like what's called fat rolling where you roll slowly and <laughs> diminishes yeah. your maneuverability. But in Demon Souls, they also had item burden. So those you could only carry a certain amount of items as well. Really? Yeah. I can't remember that. Yeah, and it, it meant that... Um, it meant that if you reached your maximum item burden in the middle of a level, you wouldn't be able to pick up items that you found later on. So you might come across right. like halfway through a level, reach maximum item burden and find like a really good sword and like not be able to yeah. pick it up or throw something else away. Mm. And like they've maintained even like that kind of stuff where they've, they've tweaked it a little bit in fairness. And I would argue maybe invalidated it. But even stuff like that, which was annoying when you're playing it, it doesn't really diminish your enjoyment of the game because it's just part of the weird sort of quirk of the game itself. Yeah. It doesn't feel yeah. outdated. You... It just feels like something that they decided to put in just to piss people off. <laughs> yeah. Do you think this game like almost stands as a bit of a A for fans, a love letter to where the Souls game started and B, like an opportunity for people who came in later after Dark Souls is a pretty big commercial success, an opportunity to go back to where it started? see where it's came from yeah i mean i think it's it's definitely both of those things i also think it's an opportunity for sony to acknowledge that they fucked up with the original mm. demon souls because i mean for people who aren't aware sony had asked FromSoft to make demon souls um yeah as an exclusive and then proceeded to not publish it overseas because they considered it a failure um, and I mean, it initially mm. was like a commercial failure, but I think the president of Sony at the time had said that he thought it was an unbelievably bad game. They put no effort <laughs> yeah, into yeah. promoting it. <laughs> and then just by like word of mouth, fans just spreading it online, it uh, it just blew up. And I feel mm. like this is an opportunity for them to sort of rectify that and take this <clears throat> sort of exclusive IP that they have and give it the push that it deserves. Yeah, and I think yeah. with it's like it's on, it's almost like the the centerpiece game for the PlayStation Five launch. I'd argue, you know, everything else is almost like a remake, and this is still to date one of the it's put it's the only PS Five designed AAA game. Am I well, right? unless you consider Godfall, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, a AAA. I mean, I guess it kind of is a AAA exclusive, but allegedly is terrible. Yeah. I saw, the, I was on, I was looking at the PlayStation store the other night thinking, oh, I might see if I can pick up a cheap thing, whatever, in the, um, mm. in the sale and saw Godfall was on sale at £78. £78 yeah, on, on sale? sale. <laughs> what was it reduced from? Fucking, I don't know, 80 <laughs> <laughs> Two quid <laughs> off. <laughs> Have you heard uh, Skill Up, the YouTube channel? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I watched his review of it and he <laughs> tore it apart. And I was thinking, how on earth are Sony getting away with charging £78? I think it was the deluxe edition. Surely they're just trying to take, yeah, it will have been, but surely they're just trying to take advantage of like people like yourself who've got a PlayStation 5 and they've, they've run out of games. So it's wanted to turn like the very limited amount of people who actually have a PlayStation 5 at this point, the stocking issues, to like actually just impulse buying additional games that they would never play on like a regular month to month. Am I fuck impulse buying? <laughs> 80 quid 
That's so not an impulse buy. Is episode four about Godfall? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so how how does it look then? Because so for a start, is it, I'm guessing it's you played Demon Souls a week before. I'm guessing it's leagues ahead of the original. Oh yeah, Demon I mean Souls. like the the original Demon Souls is playable barely. <laughs> It's not that bad. I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating. It? It's, I mean, it's clunky. You know, the original one is really, really clunky. And it, mm. there's some points, especially where the frame rate really struggles. Um, like yeah, in yeah. Stonefang Tunnel, like I just didn't know what I was looking at on screen. <laughs> I think what it's like a slideshow. It was <laughs> literally what it's like a PowerPoint. It was a series of photographs of Demon Souls <laughs> screenshots. <laughs> but yeah, Blue Point. I mean, Blue Point have really made the game run. <laughs> it, it it looks mm. incredible, and it, yeah. I think what's it. I was playing it in performance mode. You can put it in either performance, which is like sixty frames or cinematic yeah. at 30 frames and i switched to 30 frames to see what it was like and it made my eyes want to be sick so yeah <laughs> uh, back to performance Ooh, playstation 5 <laughs> 30 frames a second makes me want to be sick <laughs> <laughs> but um i mean i don't really know what else to say about it other than it just looks incredible it, i mean i mean how's how's it how's it hold up to so i'm playing second at the minute and i think i think as someone who hasn't got a playstation 5 i'm starting to feel like the last generation is starting to age in, in visuals without it. I've only seen, I saw like 15 seconds of a Demon's Souls trailer and I was like, yes, that looks amazing. I don't want to watch anymore because I want to get the console mm. and I want that game to be the first game that I experience on the next gen. Um, so I held, so I haven't, I've held off on seeing any of it at all. I haven't watched ever. I haven't even watched any reviews. Um, but how does it, how big of a step up is it versus like Sekiro and Dark Souls 3? Big. Big. Just, as big as as big as it possibly could be, really. I mean, look, like it doesn't it doesn't do like photorealistic uh graphics in the way that say like you know, like some of the facial animations in Last of Us Two yeah. does. Yeah. But it just the environments and I mean I don't know how much of this is I was originally before before this I was playing on like a sort of base PS4, like a launch era PS4. So I didn't, yeah. wasn't playing I couldn't output in four K and I couldn't play into 60 frames per second. So there is the possibility that also I was just sort of blown away by the fact that I was seeing a game in 4K at 60 frames for the first time in my in like on yeah. my TV. I love your like obsession with 60 frames. I, I love it. You're gonna, you're gonna need to like upgrade your eyes or no, something. No, I I love it. I honestly, right? And I didn't you know what as well? I was like, I didn't really notice it at first until I tried switching into cinematic mode, and I was like, is this yeah. what games have been like for me for the past like forever for my entire life for me like is this what games were always like because i just couldn't look at it and it was something yeah, like yeah. you know how i was saying that i, I wasn't enjoying the witcher initially i'm they, yeah. they, i'm still playing that via backwards compatibility in 30 frames a second and it's really difficult to look at yeah yeah what is um one of my little niche loves about the appearance of Soulsborne games is always like the sky boxes or like standing on the edge of a cliff and just like gawking mm. at it for a bit. I'd never ever really do that in games. Red Dead 2 had some moments with the weather system where I was like, it's raining over there, but it's sunny here. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. But um, 
But like even with Sekiro, like recently, I'm like standing on top of like buildings, just looking around, being like, this looks like so good. They're always so colorful, so pretty, almost like they've like had proper artists, not not mere video game designers, <laughs> um, sit and sit and make this stuff. And the the mountains and the landscapes are always so catching. Yeah. Like, is it is it is that part of a, a big highlight for? Demon I mean, Souls? with Demon Souls, it doesn't. The remake doesn't really look. It doesn't really look like a FromSoft game. Like all of the FromSoft souls games have a look like even sekiro sekiro has a really unique visual identity that stands apart from bloodborne or like dark souls each of them have an aesthetic this one uh like blue point haven't really captured the from soft aesthetic but they've Mm. just taken the original demon souls and made it look really good. And it's a little bit yeah. jarring, like seeing like human faces with moving mouths and stuff in like a FromSoft game. Cause like in the other ones, like yeah. characters' mouths don't really move when you, you know, like <laughs> the jaws just like move in rhythm, don't they? Like as people yeah. are talking and they don't let, they don't let you see them up close. Cause they're like, you don't, you don't yeah. want to see it up close. It's awful. Like the people, the people <laughs> in Blue Point remake look like people and not like, yeah, yeah. I don't know, like, weird sort of grasshopper men like they do in bloodborne or whatever <laughs> grasshopper <men. laughs> <But> like, <laughs> um, yeah it, it i don't know it's hard to describe it's sort of it's nearing sort of a more realistic look for a souls game mm. so like the the way people look and stuff isn't like the way that you know you get the photorealism of say a last of us type game but yeah it, visually just the way the environments look and the the detail and just the, the what they've tr- I think they've done quite well is I think they've managed to capture the atmosphere from the original Demon Souls and mm. part of the reason the original Demon Souls had such an atmosphere is because the graphics weren't very good so they were kind of hiding yeah. it with like weird sort of yeah. lurid glows yeah i always remember my memory of like the visuals of demon souls is always that like everything sort of was like one color it was like every world you went to like had like an instagram filter yeah, over it. yeah and, and it was like it, either this is the orange place or this yeah. is the green place so this is the outdoor gray place so i might like whereas like later on the souls games uh started to get to me where they were like very contrasting like bright red skies like almost like on fire with eclipses and like shining floors and gothic silver everywhere like everything was really high contrast often like very rarely in the new ones were they lazy enough just to be like ah just make everything like different shades of this green but i remember the original being like that so so you're saying just like the gameplay it sort of stands as a testament to the original game and is quite loyal to its original atmosphere but maybe it's quite limited by the original design yeah i mean it's I guess this is sort of objective because I have seen people online complaining that it doesn't capture the spirit of the original. I mean, I totally disagree. Yeah. I was shocked by how... Cause I was expecting Dark Souls 3, but Demon Souls. Yeah. And it's not, it's Demon Souls. I mean, it it maybe plays a little bit faster. I don't know how much of that mm. is down to like the frame rate. Um, but it, it moves a little bit quicker, but it's still quite methodical and slow. You know, it's like when you, uh, like, it, I don't know if you've seen, like, H-Bomber Guy's Bloodborne review. Oh, no, Where he's no, like, no. oh, if you want to attack someone in Demon Souls, you have to press a button which then files a request to uh, oh, yeah. begin considering <laughs> swinging a weapon. Like, that. that is kind of what Demon Souls and Dark Souls are like. And they've definitely yeah, yeah. captured that in the new one. Like, you need to know like the weight of your weapon, how quickly you can swing it. And that's all down to what kind of build mm. you make. 
Like if you were playing with say the Dragon Bone Smasher, which is like it's similar. It's basically like the original Fume Ultra Great Sword. Like it's just like this huge, mm-hmm. massive sword that does tons of damage, but it takes fucking ages <clears throat> to swing. So if you're like fighting yeah, yeah. a boss and the boss moves quite quickly, you need to know exactly how much time you have to swing your weapon and land a hit and then yeah. get away. It's very yeah, it yeah. retains that need to play tactically. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember the people, um, the people online on later Souls games with like huge hammers and huge swords are like so frustrating. They're also so good at it as well, and like they come at you with this huge sword, just like with five times the size of the person, and they've got armor on. So God knows what kind of strength these people have. Um, so and then they just come at you. Some of them even naked, and they just smash you. And then like you just end up flat on the floor. <laughs> you can't do anything. You're like, oh, this will be good. Like I'm alright. I've got my little katana or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly like this sma- massive hammer just batters you into the floor like like a little fly. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're just like, what is this? And every time I used to be like, oh, I'll try one out. I could never ever do it because you have to. You almost have to forecast and gamble on what's about to happen. You have to be like, I think especially in a multiplayer setting, you have to be like, I think this real person on this other side will strafe right, and that's where I'm going to get yeah. him. Uh, and the amount of skill that that takes like, and cal- calculating constantly is pretty incredible. Um, what was the... Um, what was the original multiplayer function site? Because when I got it, um, we didn't have internet in our house. Well, I say our house, the, the shed near the hay. Uh, we didn't have any, any <laughs> internet whatsoever. <laughs> But um, we didn't have any internet, so when I played the original Demon Souls, we didn't have any multiplayer function whatsoever, so, which made it even harder at that age. Because if I think I was younger, I'd have just I'd have just summoned people where possible. But so is was it is it the same as what the corresponding Souls games were like in the sense that um, people can uh, enter certain um, groups um, and invade your world as you're trying to progress with a game that's already difficult, or is it is it different than that? I mean, I this is the. Demon Souls PS5 is the first one that I ever played online on. Mm. I always played all the other ones offline because I didn't want to get invaded. Um, <laughs> and Demon Souls, the original Demon Souls, the servers were already taken down by the time I played it, so I, I couldn't play it online yeah. anyway. Um, I think because obviously not a huge amount of people managed to get PS5s, and undoubtedly a lot of those were not were people who like demon souls was their first souls game so i was mm. testing out like invading people so you're being a bully. I was well <laughs> yeah i was half expecting <laughs> to invade people and just get destroyed and it did happen a couple of times like there was a couple of people i invaded and they were just like god gamers who just like wrecked yeah, yeah. me but yeah, quite yeah. often i would invade and people would just run away from me. <laughs> and so, yeah. so I don't know. I can't really speak to the multiplayer. I mean, like the way that the multiplayer works is you've got, um, uh, it's a black eye stone, I think it's called. You've got a couple of different stones. You've got the black eye stone and that allows you to invade another player's world as like a hostile yeah. um, enemy. And like, then you have like a, a PVP match. You like fight each other. Or there's mm. the blue eye summon stone where you can lay down a summon stone. Like you would normally only really do it. I guess like on a, you could do it anywhere in the level, but if you don't do it in the right place, nobody's going to summon you because nobody needs your help. But it basically just allows other players to summon you into their game to help you. So I did a couple of those as well, where I was like laying down a summon sign outside like Flame Lurker, like Flame Lurker is regarded as one of the harder bosses in the game. I was like laying down my summon sign outside his boss room and then getting summoned in and helping people fight the bosses, which was fun. Um, But I, I, I mean... 
because I haven't really played online in any of the Souls games, I guess I can't really compare it to anything. I assume <laughs> it works in broadly the same way. Yeah, I hardly, I hardly really touched it myself, and I did. I was like active online. I wasn't like what you were saying there, where you were just you were just offline. Mm. So every now and again, I would get invaded, especially when I got Dark Souls three when it came out, and that was peak PS four. So there's quite a lot of people on it at that point. Um, I always used to love the like sort of the comedy things that sort of happened. <laughs> like um, a moment where someone like invaded me, he's turned up with this my huge armor, and I was just like this pathetic like person trying to get through like a swamp of rats yeah. or something like that. Um, and you get these these things called prism stones, which are meant to like lay down to like leave a path, which I don't know if anyone's ever used seriously. So I like just started chucking them on the floor, yeah. just, like, just trying to get into just, his like, head. <laughs> He was was coming at me and he was doing like gestures where he was like looking really hard and like shaking his sword around. I was just like dropping these glowing stones on the floor. They were just like making it look like a a thing. And then eventually he just like logged out. He just was like, oh yeah, fair enough. That's another moment. I was watching a video um, where Limmy was talking about playing Dark Souls. Um, If anybody doesn't know who Limmy is, he's like a Scottish comedian. And he was uh, saying that he would put down his summon sign to help people fight a boss. <laughs> and, then, and then he once he was summoned into the world, he'd take all his armor off and just sit down. <laughs> you know, use the sick jet. <laughs> Make them. And the thing with Dark Souls as well is if you summon if you summon someone in and take them into the boss room, it makes the boss harder. The boss gets, the boss gets more health. <laughs> so you would just sit and let them fight the boss on their own and the boss would be hard. Oh. There was a couple of times invading on Demon's Souls. There was one guy where I thought, I'm going to be like a real dickhead here and invade. There's like a bridge in 1-2 uh, that leads to the second yeah. boss, the Tower Knight. Yeah. And all along the bridge, there's a dragon that just flies overhead and flames the bridge so you've got to (laughs) run along each bit there's either like an under under section where you can avoid the dragon but there's tons of dogs down there that attack you or you can try and run along the bridge so i spawned in on the bridge (laughs) this guy (laughs) saw me and like ran around to try and like go behind a carriage to try and boot me out of the game like switch the game like quit out and change the game to offline and I chased him and like just killed him just as he was like trying to boot me out and I felt like such a bully but also it made me feel really good about myself. I love that's one of the things that I really like about uh, the multiplayer version aspect of it you know because people on the first file would be like oh it's like a sword game where you like you stab stuff and then there's a multiplayer thing you just imagine like having sword fights with people and it just never really ever really seems like it comes down to that it there's so many layers to it all like the especially I mean one thing I noticed with this, and I assume I, I've read it's the same with all of them, is the amount of lag on the servers. Yeah. Like I was trying to do initially what you were saying before. I was spawning into someone's world naked with the dragon bone smash, which I mean is so heavy that you basically like you could basically can't wear armor with it most of the time unless you get yeah, your stamina yeah. like really high, your endurance or whatever stat is really high enough to carry like a heavy sword with heavy armor so i was spawning yeah. in naked with the dragon bone smasher like trying to like freak people <laughs> out but like because the amount of lag you just didn't have time to swing the sword and hit them like yeah, yeah, yeah. it just didn't seem to work it's, i do agree the multiplayer often is laggy and it and for again it needs to be so precise um you don't often like know and, and are able to operate with enough reflexes to actually 
uh, play the multiplayer in the same way that you would play the single player game. Yeah. Um, so I do agree that it's, it's very messy in that sense, but it's just fun. <laughs> I had that, um, I can't remember what the branch was called on uh, Dark Souls 3, but the one that sort of just changed you into something like a part of that world. And I was oh, still like in the, that. Is it like the white fragrant branches or something? That's yeah, and you just turn into, it's weird that you sort of turn into like a lamppost or like a tree. You yeah. basically just turn into an asset from that area that you're in. Yeah. And every time I used to get invaded, I just like use that and turn into like a barrel or a, a tree. And I just like stay completely still and just watch like this guy just running around trying to find me until he eventually was just like, oh, this is well boring this, like I'm off. <laughs> <laughs> or like I'd freak them out and sort of like be be like a tree and then they'd go past and I'd see them run off. Mm. Then I'd um, come out of the tree, then shout them. So they knew which direction I was using one of those weird voice box things you can use and then move to a different part and turn into another tree. <laughs> <laughs> so they'd come back and then I'd like watch them coming back to where I was being like, I swear there was a tree here before. <laughs> um, so one of the things I wanted to ask, actually, is someone who hasn't got a PlayStation Five, is like how how is the the DualShock Five in 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 correlation with Demon Souls? Like, uh, I don't. Is there any unique features or anything, or is it not being built like that? I don't know if this was necessarily. I don't know. I mean, I, if it is used, it's very subtle because I barely yeah. noticed it. Not in the way where you play like Astro's Playroom and like you can really feel the buttons pushing back. Like I guess there's mm. maybe like little bits of resistance in the controller um but nah doesn't really use it nothing like particularly unique i don't really know how they would implement it in a way that made sense for demon souls you know yeah. it is something that's sort of given me sort of like i think the controller is amazing but it's something that's only going to get used for first party games and mm. even <laughs> then like i was thinking like how is god of war going to use this you know like mm. i well, I guess they just improve on the the grab catching the axe. Yeah. They? You know, you throw the axe and you pick it up. It's going to have this like maybe more enhanced. I mean, like version of carrying it. But I agree that like I can't imagine it getting much better than what it already was, which already was good. Um, well, no, I mean, no, I actually, I mean, I think the the Dual Sense is a big step up from the Dual Shock Four. Is that what it was called the PS4 mm. controller? The quality of vibration like for example and they've even i've even noticed this actually in like performance upgraded ps4 games mm. for example like you might be walking and each side of the controller will vibrate oh really yeah, based on the steps like you can feel like the the vibration is a lot more sensitive and concentrated mm. in certain areas in a way that really enhances the game. Like I, I do think the vibration element is a big step up from the DualShock Four. Yeah, yeah. Because pre- previously they've just been the same for years, where it's sort of just like it just shakes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. A door opens and it'll just shake. It's a, it's a. <laughs> like, fun, I was watching a video on it. I, I know actually it was on the Triple Click podcast. Mm. Um, they had a guy on. He was like an engineer, and he was explaining how the technology inside the DualSense is like fundamentally different to the technology inside of DualShock 4 and it's kind of hard to describe until you you, like hold it in your hands and play but you will notice the difference yeah uh, sorry man have you just have you just plugged another podcast and mentioned that they've got engineers talking on there about about the quality of the controller whilst we're trying to do an appropriate breakdown of it I I don't know what you're talking about I, I'm we're, not we're just, we're just like, uh, yeah, the shake and that. And then you're like, well, there's engineers on this other podcast if you want to go and listen to that. Don't go and listen to the Triple Click podcast. 
No, we do do listen to the Triple Click podcast. Don't. I'm having a breakdown. I'm having a meltdown. <laughs> we are engineers. Engineers are fun. <laughs> we we engineered this this podcast and this this Zoom call and the corresponding tools around it. Yeah, I suppose um, in 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 many senses we are engineers. Very much so. Uh, don't go listen to any other podcasts. Everything you'd ever need if, is here. If you do, I'll cut your fingers off. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what's going on in with, with this plot of Demon Souls? Because I, I definitely, the later games, I have like about a 30% idea of what's mm. going on, particularly in Bloodborne, maybe more so. Uh, Sekiro is a bit easy, actually, I think so far. I think it's kind uh, of but, weird that you think the Bloodborne plot is easier to understand than the Dark Souls. Maybe it's plot. just because I tried more because it was so, it was much more interesting and unique. I think the Bloodborne I, plot is w- way more obtuse than the other ones. It explains like, but the rest are just the rest are sort of just like like multi-dimensional sort of like oh this is here and why is why is Anna Londo turned up again in this in this period of time and it's just like I just didn't I, it was asking me questions that I didn't actually care about it's just like oh there's Anna Londo seeing a bit like I didn't yeah. really I didn't really care but then with Bloodborne it had so many elements of like like with Yosef's clinic and stuff like that where you you know you go around the back and you realize it's like weird alien he sort of type spoilers yeah um and you sort of like i wanted to know what was going on i wanted to know the link but it didn't really make it obvious enough for me but i i wanted to know so like when i played it again i was sort of like what i went to Sephiroth's clinic at the start and i was sort of like what's going on like i want to read things yeah. i want to try and figure this out uh eventually i just watched like youtube videos and stuff but i didn't really i've never really done that with dark souls because i don't really for me like it doesn't pose enough to me even slightly for me to want to go watch it for hours because it's a, they're all very deep you know i think dark, i mean I've, i find the plot of dark souls really interesting across <laughs> all of them i always make the comparison to like david lynch and twin peaks yeah where you can tell for what they're doing at least part of what makes the story interesting is that it is so abstract and mysterious they don't mm. hand, they don't spoon feed you things, and that makes you want to understand it more. So then you go away and you do all the reading and whatever, and and it, it's I find that there's enough detail that it's interesting, but not so much that it's overbearing. It allows you to kind of fill in the blanks and come up with your own theories. And I think Bloodborne does that the most of all of them. I feel like Dark Souls, like when you get a cutscene in Dark Souls, it's kind of self-explanatory what you're seeing whereas like when you beat vicar amelia in bloodborne you get a weird flashback cutscene to like however many years before between two characters that you've never seen in the game and you don't know what they're talking about yeah, yeah exactly. um which is very like lynchian but I demons think maybe maybe bloodborne and stuff you've got you've got one game which at the minute is isolated yeah. and should there be sequels across three games i think it'll get much more complicated uh, even though it is complicated, I agree. It's sort of, it, because it's one game, it's really good and it presents a lot of ideas to you. You're sort of a bit more uh, attracted to the idea of getting getting to know it a bit more. Whereas Dark Souls, you're sort of like, well, there's three games. And yeah. then you've got to like... See, I, I really, what I really like about the Dark Souls trilogy, a lot of people don't like Dark Souls 2, but the, the story, the fact that Dark Souls 2 initially or i mean for really for the duration of the game appears to be set in a completely different place and about a completely different thing and yet Mm. there are like hints throughout that actually it's it is the same place 
and mm. it's like some completely different time period maybe far in the future after the first dark souls the sort of hints throughout that actually you're not in a different place mm. or that it's some maybe a different dimension i don't know it, it doesn't really offer any explanations and i find that really interesting that across the trilogy you're kind of seeing because the whole kind of idea behind dark souls is that you've got to rekindle the flame it's like yeah. it has like a creation myth at the start and all of creation revolves around this flame being rekindled over and over again. And by the mm. end of Dark Souls 3, you're kind of getting the point where the flame is being kindled so much now, the fire is so weak and reality itself is just collapsing in on itself. Like, I just find that really interesting. Oh, is that why Is that why the world towards the end of Dark Souls 3, you know, you're skipping through bits and like you're going back to... Um that Gundia chap, the first boss, and it's sort of like really dark. Yeah. And the world's collapsing in on itself and like the buildings are all decked. And I never really understood that bit actually. So that's because the the rekindling is happening so much that time is sort of just becoming a big blend. That's kind of how I read it. I read like when you do the Ring City DLC and like it's just like cities that are upside down built on top yeah, of each yeah. other it's just like it's chaotic and it's like i just get the sense that what you're witnessing is the end of time itself yeah, yeah. and yeah, yeah. like the cycle of the flame being rekindled over and over again just is unsustainable and and because when you play the first dark souls there's again spoilers but there's two options, there's two endings. There's the main, there's the normal ending where you defeat Gwyn and rekindle flame and that mm. sort of starts the cycle anew and you become the new whatever it is, whatever, you know, flame bearer, whatever Gwyn was. Mm. But then there's the alternate ending where you choose to not rekindle the flame and allow it to just the cycle to end. Mm. And I think like the sequels sort of disregard that ending, but by the end of Dark Souls 3, you've got a couple of different options. And I, again, I won't spoil any of the different endings, but they all kind of have different implications for the outcomes of like the world. Yeah. But I always kind of felt that by the end of Dark Souls 3, you were almost like witnessing. Yeah, I mean, especially if you beat the end of the Ring, D- the Ring City DLC and fight Slave Night Gale, like the mm. final, final boss, like y- y- you've, like you're fighting them in the desert. There's nothing left, you know, like it seems mm. like reality is sort of, is being destroyed. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a, re- that's a really good way of putting but it. But Demon Souls is uh, a lot less abstract than that. I mean, Demon Souls. So the, the plot to Demon Souls, that was a long um, tangent about <laughs> the stories of the Dark Souls <laughs> game. So Demon Souls, the basic setup is that <laughs> um, it's this land called Boletaria, which has mastered something called the soul arts, which I guess is like a form of magic. And, uh, again, this is why I kind of struggle to articulate the story. So basically the king of Boletaria, um, Alant has gone mad and made a pact with this sort of like extra dimensional entity called the old one who feeds off the souls of like, I don't know, living creatures, I guess. Yeah. He's basically unleashed demons on the world who feed on the souls of man to feed the old one. And in exchange mm. for like great power. And so like you come to Boletaria and you have to vanquish the king and uh, put the old one back to its slumber so that the world can kind of be saved. It's pretty basic. Um, and so mm. it just requires you going through each of the levels, defeating each of what they're called like arch demons. Like the dragon god is like an arch demon. He's like the final boss of that world. And you collect all of the archdemon souls then you can go and face the old one that's it that's yeah. pretty much it it has two 
two That's different so endings simple. depending on the choices that you make in the game. It's like a good ending and a bad ending depending on. You know, one of the th- one of the things that I like about um, Souls games, which is, I, I haven't really thought about too much, um, is that I think the plots often uh, validate some of their gameplay mechanics, even though the gameplay mm. mechanics yeah. themselves on the face value of things are a bit strange. I, as you said there, like the demons are feeding off souls. Now souls is in, in across the games is a is a currency. Yeah. Uh, generally, it's called souls, um, which allows you to level up. So you have to hold on to those souls to get better yeah. at the game. But should you die and you're and then you go back to the to respawn, technically you can you can have the plot back you up that they're then feeding on your souls, and you have to go back to pick them up, and you've got one shot at it. Yeah. But if you don't get it, they're gone. And it sort of validates where they went and why they exist in the myth of the world. And it does that with Sekiro. I mean, I'm not very far into Sekiro, but it does that with like the dragon rot from what I see, yeah. where you, you, it tells you that you have the power to, to respawn, but should you keep respawning? So the more you die, the more dragon rot spreads and then it starts to infect characters that you're, you're around and you rely on yeah. for certain pieces. So like it sort of validates that fact that you you just keep dying, but you can come back, you know. And they they did it with the with the undead thing in in Dark Souls as well, where the more you die, the more yeah, the, I, undead the, you get. All of the kind of game mechanics are justified by plot choices. Um, yeah, which I mean, I guess I, to now us, to us now, I guess isn't that revolutionary. But I think at the time it was a you know it was a bit of a kind of game changer for the first Demon Souls, and it's continued throughout all of them. I'm really interested mm. to see what you think of Sekiro. I think we should like do an episode on that when you've when you've finished it. Yeah, we should. I really like it so far. Uh, it's, it's solid. It's it's really <laughs> hard at first because it's so difficult to to. Uh, in fact, you know what? Let's leave that for later. That's it. It's a, a tease. We'll just cut it there and be like, we'll cut that into the episode where we talk about it's Sekiro. A salty little teaser. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, Demon Souls, ten out of ten. Really? Ten sausage and bean. Yeah, I would straight in there. You didn't even you didn't even let me ask. You're just like, it's ten out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we established the format in our last episode, which everybody in the world definitely listens to. All the way to, to the end. Understands, <laughs> understands the reference. So I guess to give a bit of context, in our last episode, we off the cuff implemented our standard rating system, which is a number out of sausage and bean melts, which is a type of Greg's pasty. Greg's being uh, a bakery that lots of North people in Northern England like to uh, eat. At. <laughs> so sausage and bean melts, uh, hands down the best pasty that you can get from Greg's. I don't want to hear any disagreements. So don't bother sending in any messages <laughs> to try and convince us. Otherwise, um, you give it I would easily handily give Demon Souls a 10 out of 10. That's not to say it's perfect because it's definitely got its own weird issues and quirks, which are like kind of carryovers from the original in a lot of ways. Would you give the but original 10 out of 10? No, probably not. What would you give that? Uh, eight, but I think the two is probably down to sort of technical issues. Yeah. And just the way it plays because it's a game from 2009 mm. and its performance is like its technical performance is pretty poor mm. and it's also very janky and clunky, mm. um, which the new one isn't. Mm. And in a lot of ways it actually, because the, the new one isn't as clunky, 
that kind of makes it a little bit harder because in the original it was a lot easier to uh, time your invincibility frames. Invincibility frames being when you say press a, the dodge button for a small amount of frames during that movement you'll be invincible so an enemy could hit you but because you're dodging you wouldn't take any damage in this one because of the frame rate is improved and the overall sort of speed of the gameplay is being upped doing uh trying to time the iframes is a lot more difficult yeah yeah. in the original in the original one if you dodged and you were sort of invincible for maybe three frames was that that a good 20 minutes It felt like did it. it turn, did it turn into a lecture? Someone popped up. <laughs> I press the dodge button, then put the uh, put the controller down and go make a cup of tea. You know, I'm invincible for a, for a little bit. It's all right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, Blue Point smashed it out of the park. Yeah, um, it's great, and I feel like it totally justified the price tag of a of a PS5 for me personally. You know, I, in the space of two weeks, I put about 80 hours into it. Mm. Um, so I definitely got my money's worth out of it. Yeah. And uh, I know that for a lot of people, getting a PlayStation 5 is still really difficult. Um, but once, you know, it's much more widespread and everybody's got one, I would definitely recommend picking up Demon Souls yeah. and uh, giving it a bash. Yeah. Well, there we have it, guys. 10 sausage, bean and cheese melts out of 10. We've done it. The definitive, We've clocked a, another Souls. definitive review that settles all future discussion. <laughs> From next week, nobody's ever going to talk about demons. <laughs> People will think it's literally just ceased to exist. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I heard you bring it up and you bring it up in public, and someone just sort of looks at you with like really wide eyes, like what do you? What do you don't done. Button chops have finished that. Don't, don't worry about it. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, there we go. <laughs> I was playing it last night. <laughs> I was like, oh, what? I... You'll find out. Right. <clears throat> you ready? Why well, start hyperventilating? <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving this. <laughs> Go for it. Now it's time for the beloved segment we call Rad Recommendations, where each week one of us picks an out there, little known, or just plain weird game and presents it on the pod. For people not in the know, Raj is like northern slang for like weird or, I mean, I don't even know. I, I use it all the time. It was time. Violent Man yeah. last, week, last week, wasn't it? Yeah, last week we discovered that Oxford Dictionary describes it as a, like a wild, crazy or violent man. <laughs> I guess I would like say like, oh, like, you know, if I was like walking through town and saw someone kicking someone in, I'd be like, oh, look at that Raj. Yeah, there. yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say it out loud. Yeah, just say it to yourself. I'd just say it to myself. And just walk past. My brain. <laughs> I'd walk up, point my finger at them and go, Raj, <laughs> you are a Raj. <laughs> and then run. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, so I've written a little monologue to introduce this week's uh, Raj recommendations. Mm. So it, I'm just going to dive straight in. I mean, it better one. be quite stirring because we all, we all remember last week's um, stirring introduction to My Name is Mayo. Um, from myself. Mm. So let's see what. Yeah, we had to we had to kind of pause midway through that so I could go and wipe the tears <laughs> away because I was just stunned at the sheer vivid beauty of the uh, the little introduction that you'd put together. The stage is yours, Chris. What have you got for me? <laughs> Get ready. So 
One reason I love games is that it allows you to immerse yourself in characters and worlds you'd otherwise never even dream of experiencing. For years, and I'm sure most people listening will 100% relate to this one, (laughs) I've longed for my twin loves of wacky comic capers and high-end domestic cleaning devices to collide in one brutally violent playable package. You've heard of Rambo. I now present to you Roombo First Blood. Hang on, what? Roombo <laughs> First Blood. What is- you heard it. You heard that right. <laughs> Roombo is a top-down, uh, like comedy stealth action game where you play as, like, you know, a Roomba. Yeah. Like a like a self-operating vacuum cleaner, <laughs> like those little robots that like. Well, you play as a Roomba who has to protect the house from invading burglars. Um, so it like incorporates like stealth and extreme brutal violence where you've kind of got to sneak around and not get noticed by the burglars, but also stop them from burgling the house, um, by like brutally murdering them. So is this like one of those, remember them in primary school? There's little like, um, circle things where it maybe show my age a little bit here. There's little circle things where you like had to press like up, 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 rotate, right. 90 degrees forward 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 so it's like map out the thing (laughs) i I have really vague memories of that and yes i think i think i know what you're thinking about Um, so how do you how do you how do you how do you stop the burglars as a as a roomba well it's like right the game starts off and you get a little cutscene that sets sets the stage for the for the wacky capers that follow where um whoever like the the person that lives in the house that you have to clean mm. I, I guess you're like a robot slave to this like man yeah. and he gets up and goes goes out in the middle of the night or maybe he's got like a job where he has to get get there really he's early. up to some dodgy yeah. and he's a yeah, right right clearly well well he might be up to something dodgy but he's not up to the things that are as dodgy as the dodgy people who are breaking into the house <laughs> to steal all of his belongings it's a good thing he has this sentient vacuum cleaner there to protect Mm. his house because then basically it's like it's all top down and you see the burglar sort of going from room to room there's like a number of valuables in the corner that it like tells you how many things the burglar can steal and you've kind of got to sneak around it and uh and kill the burglar (laughs) and like the sheer amount of blood in this game is startling really um it's so violent but like in a, it's comical like it it's like it totally it's totally just taking the piss yeah and um and then once you've killed the burglar you then need to clean the house in under a minute <laughs> and that's it that's all there is to it it's really short it's very straightforward and uh it's a lot of fun i actually really enjoyed it. i have a i have a question as mm. as a potential crime scene going on here um is the burglar masked Yes. Is the yeah, is the burglar the man who owns the house? <laughs> well, actually, I think... <laughs> see, I have some questions about who owns the house, for one thing. We'll get to that. But the, the, each level is basically just... It's the same, but there's another burglar. Yeah. So, like, level one is there's one burglar. <laughs> level two is it's the same house, the same setting. All Everything in the house is the same. <laughs> like, the ni- like, there's a knife that you can... So the 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 Roomba can kill the burglar in a number of ways. Yeah, yeah. Like it can like suck up uh, objects it finds and shoot them at the burglar. It can also hack into the electrical appliances 
in the house and manipulate them into becoming weapons to kill the birds. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that's basically the only ways that you can, <laughs> you can kill them. So, like, say, like, it can uh, hack into a ceiling fan and have the ceiling fan drop on the burglar's yeah, head yeah. and, like, partially mangle them. Or it can, uh, like, hack into, like, a sprinkler system and have loads of water drop on the floor and then the burglar slips up and, like, loses some health. Mm -hmm. And you've got to kill each of the burglar before they get out of the house with all of the valuables. (laughs) But the questions I had mainly was kind of, like, who owns this Roomba? Like, the house isn't real. It's just, like, a normal house. It's like a bungalow. It doesn't even have, like, a second floor. And yet this is one of the most futuristic pieces of technology I've ever seen in, like, a domestic setting. (laughs) It's, like, mind-boggling, like, the technology on display that this, like, sentient being that is designed solely for cleaning the floor is also capable of such like heinous acts. I like I like the idea of thinking that he's uh that he's like coming back. He's leaving the house and then he's coming back later on to burgle his own house to claim on the insurance because he's out of money because he's spent it on this uh this sentient being. And then he's before being murdered by And then he's underestimated Roomba. it and came back and he's been like, nah nah, leave me alone. And then like he's like flipping fans around and stabbing him and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Roomba's doing its job because afterwards it still cleans up. Is it like uh, when you've been telling me that? I'm imagining it being like it said. You said it's top down, yeah. Yeah. So it's like it looks like it. It kind of. Have you seen Hades? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like top down in the way that Hades is like an isometric coming from view. a diagonal. I like how you're comparing it to Hades. Must be pretty impressed by this game. What's it called again? I mean, Roomba. It's called Roombo First Blood, <laughs> and it's. It's 10 times better than Hades could ever dream. A <laughs> hundred sausage, bean and cheese melts out of 10. So that, that's it. Yeah, that was my rad recommendation for the week. Uh, Roombo first blood. <laughs> go, go and play it. It only cost me £1.75 on the Nintendo eShop. Mm. Should we ever launch any sort of subscription or support network, we might be able to improve our pricing on the uh, rad recommendations my name is mayo is 99 pence and you're doing one pound 79 i came across a game in my, when i was looking for something to play for this i came across it and i've told you know what i should have written it down i've totally forgotten what it was it was a game on the nintendo eShop for eight pence eight pence eight that's like the cheapest pence. thing you could buy nowadays <laughs> it looked terrible it looked bad and it, like not in a like in a way, like Roomba was sort of goofy and fun, and like, like it just looked like boring and shit. Which I mean, definitely explains why it was eight pence. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, yeah. If you're ever in, ever bored and look of uh, looking for a bargain, go on the Nintendo eShop. So, um, should we move on to the last bit? Yeah, this, the the currently unnamed section. Maybe this will just stay forever unnamed. It's part of the crack, isn't it? It's part of the regular crack that people tune in for. I think we should call it Steve. Are we having a business meeting here or are we recording a podcast? <laughs> um, so this section... And now it's time for Steve. <laughs> so this section we'd like to just round off by talking about whatever we've been playing, watching recently. So do you want to start, Chris? Yeah. What have you been, what have you been up to? I've been watching Barry. Barry? I've never heard of it. Barry. Uh, it's an HBO show uh, where Bill Hader plays an ex-soldier who's like a jobbing hitman. Mm. Um, and he gets sent to LA to do a hit and discovers that he has a passion for acting and wants to become an actor. It's like a comedy, comedy drama. Really? It's pretty good. Yeah, I'm only like 
it's not what I expected. I actually, I expected it to be less of a comedy and more of a, I don't know, like in a sense of sort of like Breaking Bad sounds like a comedy premise, yeah. but when you get into it, it's actually pretty serious. It's much more of a comedy than I expected, but it's also a lot more, it doesn't, it takes the premise very seriously at the same mm. time. Um, I'm enjoying it. It's like short, like 30 minute episodes. There's only two seasons of it and I'm only like, I don't know, like two thirds of the way through the first series. So, yeah, yeah. but it's, it's had like, it's got like a, like the second series, I think has like a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like really well regarded. So yeah, yeah. I'd recommend that. I've been playing Super Mario World really? on the, uh, yeah, the Switch, um, like SNES emulator. Oh, the proper one. Yeah. It's like, uh, like it's an old SNES game. I've been kind of going through the console emulators on the Switch mm. uh, in the, like, the Nintendo online store and I'm enjoying it, but it's so difficult. Mm. It's so difficult. And I, I was like looking online, like what do people regard as like the hardest, like 2D, 3D Mario games? And like everyone was like, oh, Super Mario World's really easy. Because I was thinking like after this, I might kind of go through and play all of the old 2D Marios. I'd never really like delved into them that much, but I'm finding it crazy hard so god knows like how difficult like because there's like super mario bros 2 the lost levels which was like famously not released in america like in the west because it was deemed too difficult (laughs) too difficult for the westerns apparently it's like so hard and like i'm fine i'm having a really hard time with (laughs) super mario world so i don't know if i'll get to that but i'm yeah i'm enjoying it and i'm still playing the witcher which i'm just taking my time with i'm just trying to enjoy it plodding plodding on by i've really been i haven't actually watched anything since the last time we recorded this to be honest uh i've I've been watching mad men uh but i I like having like breaks in mad men because i've never finished all the way through i think i'm on season five i think and it's pretty close to the end then isn't it is it like seven seasons yeah i'm close i like sort of like i love it and then when i get to an, an end point i always sort of feel like okay with just leaving it for a bit so I've been watching it yeah. for like three years. I only just finished uh, that last season where he ends up going, ends up getting with that secretary. I mean, he gets with a few secretaries, but the one which looks like she might be with him for a while, that's where I'm at. Yeah. And that was a bit like, oh. Have you not seen Zuby Zoo yet? No. No, you won't have seen Zuby Zoo. Zuby no. Zoo. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not is this another Raj recommendation? <laughs> My Raj recommendation for this week is Zuby Zoo. <laughs> And I'm not going to elaborate any more than that. People who have seen Mad Men will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and as soon as you get to that episode, you'll be like, oh, it's Zoopy Zoo. Zoopy Zoo. <laughs> oh, <laughs> here it is. But I really, I, th- I think it's really great. It's uh, all the, you know, all the elements of like to- toxic masculinity sort of painted in uh, almost historic piece now in a way of what feels like, yeah. it feels like history 50 years ago in a way that people like were a bit more work nowadays. And I think back then, like it, it por- I think it portrays really accurately some of the issues that are still around right now, but it, it portrays yeah. them in a way which at the time you wouldn't have batted an eyelid to, but now you watch it with a different mm. viewpoint. It almost feels like it was recorded then and we're watching it and going, oh, someone should have said that. Someone should have called people yeah. out for not believing in Peggy or someone should have done this. Do you know what I mean? Um, I, think yeah. it's, I think it's really, really, really good. Um, yeah, I, I love, I absolutely love mine. I, lo- um, I, I watched it watched it all the way through i'd seen the first season a couple of times mm. but then when lockdown started i watched it all the way through so i i actually i had only seen the finale for the first time like i don't know maybe like march really april like last year so i've watched it pretty recently mm. it's it's great yeah 
you'll you'll it stays consistently good from start finish yeah 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 it's it's an easy place i like taking my time because i feel like it's like one of those things where you get really attached to it you're sort of invested in the world yeah. i'm like well the yeah. quicker i finish it the quicker like i don't i don't i don't feel part of that world anymore mm. whereas i'm like well if i like switch off for six to eight months and pick it up again like i'll it'll be like a reunion like seeing my mates yeah. again i'll be like episode one like oh there he is don hiya peggy you all right it'll be like oh. who's your favorite character in it uh, um i think i really i think i really like peggy i always yeah, root for peggy great. um i don't really like john i know that a lot of people like sort of rave off john yeah i didn't i mean i, I did like i like all of the characters in it uh, I like Joe, and she's not my favorite. She, I think I always like. I've never really watched any like YouTube reviews or anything like that because obviously I don't want to see anything. But I feel like every time I see thumbnails and stuff, there's always like thumbnails talking about how Joan's like the main character. She's like the, the the core point, and I guess she does sort of like she's the anchor for the misogyny that's going on, and like she gives she gives the structure between the the injustice and the the ego. Mm. So I do, I do get that, but like, it's, I don't really like it that much. Every time she's on, I sort of, I, I get a bit bored. <laughs> like, I think uh, again, like, I will avoid spoiling anything. Mm. Um, but her character, some, she gets kind of subjected to some pretty awful stuff. Mm. I think beyond the point that you're in now. She has done whilst I've been there, but I imagine she might go through a bit more. I mean, she kind of does all the way through all of the women in the show, do. But, uh, like, she, yeah, her character takes some interesting sort of turns towards the end, Mm. um, especially. But, yeah. I love, you know what? I've totally forgotten um roger sterling yeah yeah. he's my favorite character i love roger sterling (laughs) he's he's such like he's such a like a a stereotype he's awful but he's great (laughs) with his awful white hair and his like clean suits and he doesn't do anything either i would the thing about mad men is weird because i always like i enjoy the feeling of like not that I, I, i i don't but i enjoy the feeling of watching Mad Men and sort of feeling like I'm going to work with them. Yeah. And I hate him in work because he does nothing. I almost find myself watching it being like, mate, you are doing nothing. Like, what are you doing? I want to like tell him off. <laughs> but... And the things that he does do actively damage the people around him. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but he's so, he's so, I don't know. He's just so well-written. He's hilarious when it, I just I just find him like really like magnetic to watch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're all they're all really well written. But yeah, um, and then video game wise, I've been replaying Celeste because I never finished that. This is another one I haven't. Heard you never of. heard of Celeste? <laughs> you like it? It's like so. a really difficult, like relative. I'd say it was relatively unique. People rave about it. It's massively well uh, respected, but it's like a, a platformer where you sort of like jump on walls and you cling to them and you get power. You get power so you can jump and then double jump it sounds a bit basic but the level design stuff's really good but the story is all about like you know mental health just go like um climbing up a mountain um and she starts like yeah um having loads of issues with her mental health and it it um brings itself around in the form of like a dark version of her uh which sort of like asks a lot of questions like why are you going up this mountain and things like that and it's it, it gets quite deep um the music i i almost like it, the music's the only reason i play it like the music is so good. It's like really pretty chip tune. Almost like, you know, like in Uncle Gems, they have like a sort of video game element come in every now and again. 
these like high pitched yeah. synths. It's like that, but all of that with these beautiful melodies and uh, piano arrangements. And it's 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 one of the best sounding games I've ever played. But I've always wanted to finish it because I haven't finished it yet. So I got halfway through, and then <laughs> it's, we were talking about this last week, like with The Witcher. Where I got halfway through and then stopped playing it. Um, so now I don't know what, where she is. Like, I, I don't know where she was like t- two minutes ago. So I've had to start all over again so I can like follow the path through. <laughs> that happens to me quite a lot. <laughs> but yeah, the Celeste, Celeste is proper, really good. I think you'd really like it, especially it's, it's, it's kind of like anchored in a lot of the platforms that you've been playing over the last uh, year as mm. you got more into indie games, uh, like Hollow Knight and stuff like that. But it doesn't yeah, have the like. I love Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight's another one of those games that I've started. I've played a couple of times, but never gotten that deeply into mm. it. I don't typically like platformers that much. I think like I had a bit of a a binge with Mario games uh, last year. Well, like the three because the 3D Mario games got reissued on the Switch, mm. and I wanted to replay 64, and um, and then I ended up playing Odyssey, which I just loved. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was amazing. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I don't really like touch platformers that much. Yeah. So. I like I like them at first. I like them like I like them at first when it's easy because it reminds me of like being a kid sat in my room yeah. looking at like my little VHS TV combo uh, with its glass front and everything. Um, it reminds me of that. So when I play it and it's at the start, it's like oh, press X to jump and you jump on it. I'm like, it gives me just a really warm feeling. But as soon as it gets complicated, I sort of start to zone out. I'm like. I don't think of really any platformers that I've ever really completed, to be honest. I always sort of get halfway through them. It's a bit of a bad habit. I had a brief period in, I mean, like as a kid, I loved the Crash Bandicoot games. And then when I was like in sixth form, so like I was like 17, um, I bought all of the Crash games off the PlayStation store for the PSP. And like, I just used to skip lessons and go and sit in the common room. And I think I like 100%ed like, it was Crash Bandicoot 1 and Crash Bandicoot 3. I 100 percent at both yeah, of them. Yeah. And then I recently got the Insane Trilogy for the Switch. And, like, I can't do them. Yeah. Like, they're so hard. Yeah. I don't understand how I did it. Like, I, I must have just actively gotten worse at games as I've gotten older. But, <laughs> yeah. like, some of those games now, I play them and I think, like, how on earth did I do this when I was a yeah. kid? Because they're so Apparently hard. Apparently it's easier to play a Crash with the D-pad. Um, me and my housemate were playing it yeah. um, a few days ago, actually. Uh, we got drunk and had a night in playing Crash, and um, it's really good because it almost like it's one of the first times in ages, like years and years, where like I've had this like feeling of like past the controller, old school like video gaming, where it's just me and my mate yeah. like sat there a bit buzzing off mango juice and various other uh, drinks <laughs> on a sugar, yeah, <laughs> and like we were doing time trials, so we went uh, Crash Bandicoot one at um, the first level, and then we like battled each other to like see who could get like the highest score. And then the second one, um, I, I beat his high score that he'd already set. And then he was trying for like 50 minutes. And whilst he was doing it, I was like watching him being like, are you sure you shouldn't do that? And he was like, nah, I've played it before. I'm not going to oh, go do that. Yeah. <laughs> but but then, so I was calculating it as he was playing and getting really frustrated. And he eventually did it. He was celebrating. He was buzzing, like controllers thrown around. He went downstairs. And I was like, his controller mm-hmm. here. Did it in one. So I beat his high score that he tried to set for 50 minutes in one. He was like, right, we're playing next level. <laughs> because like the one thing i told him to do like it did work like jumping on the box and uh holding x to give yourself a lift up to get up above some steps and it used raging but yeah it was it was a really good night i love crash bandicoot actually but it's solid I feel like that was a perfect uh edit point just to drop in like an alan party <laughs> like- 
has to say, I had the last laugh. Now, fuck off. Needless to say, I had the last laugh. I'm definitely going to edit that in. <laughs> it, was, it was good as well, because I beat him in 60 frames a second. So The only, the only amount of frames that anybody would want to be beaten in, if I got beaten... In real life, I don't know. <laughs> is this the point again where we, 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 we just we just divulge into nonsense and then we have to just go, right, see, is it a bit? Yeah. <laughs> it seems that we, there's a, we're developing a pattern of reaching a point where everything just sort of... <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, it's probably time to sign yeah. off. It's much like the ending <laughs> of Demon's Souls. Oh, Dark Souls 3. Yeah. See, it's already Dark getting chaotic. 3. End it, end it, end it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's it for this week. Um, thanks a lot for listening. You can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at, at @buttonchopspod. Um, You can follow me, that's Chris, on Instagram and Twitter at BeezusFafoon. And I also make game and movie reviews on YouTube as my online alter ego, Little Davey. That's at Little Davey Reviews Things. If you got any personal plugs? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter if you wanted to at Matthew.Wooten. Uh, it's not a lot going on down there, really. It's usually like dog videos and stuff like that. I haven't got an animated head for that one, which Chris does possess. So. I'd much rather watch dog videos than anything that I have ever made. Yeah. I think like 60% of the accounts I follow on Instagram are just dog, <laughs> dog accounts. <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> follow follow you Chris. You start everyone. a dog account? No, I'm not doing that. on that note thanks a lot for listening um and we'll see you next bye bye